This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Good evening, folks. Welcome to AA Live Radio. This is Jan, and it is our pleasure to be here with you this morning. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous program. I'd also like to warmly welcome my co-host, Tony, this evening. Hi, Jan. How are you? It's wonderful to be here. Lovely to be here with you. It's lovely to see you here. It's great to have another member of the AA Fellowship riding my first evening. Yes, Jen's in the uh, in the hot seat there, folks uh, at home. She's uh, doing the sound desk this morning, and I'm I'm helping out. So, so, and she's doing a great job. <laughs> she's got a touch of sweaty palms, but that is fine. This is what it's all about. It is indeed, isn't it? Okay, well, we're going to open this evening with the serenity prayer, so let's all go for that, shall we? Aye, all do. being one and two. <laughs> okay. God, God grant, grant me, me the, the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the things, things I, I cannot change, change. courage to change the things I can, and, and the, the wisdom, wisdom to know, know the, the difference. difference. Lovely, thank you. Now, Tony... Your turn. Yeah, no, I just want to uh, just to do a little uh, lot, yeah, a little thing what like we do uh, for most shows, um, and that's just to run through um, via the preamble um, what AA is, and and you know just as importantly what it isn't. Um, so I'm I'm going to read out AA's preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may f- solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. Wonderful. Thanks, Tony. And I'd just like to, to also add to that, that uh, our opinions are just that. They're our opinions. It is not, uh, we're not given the opinions of uh, anybody else's or AA as a whole. So just make sure everybody knows that, that we're yeah. a couple of opinionated recovering <laughs> alcoholics. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, what, what we are, come, we're coming from our personal experiences exactly. of recovery uh, in the AA programme. Um, but in saying that, guys, we, we do stick to the mainstream AA literature being the big book 12 and 12 and the daily reflection so all of you that are attending um, or in the fellowship will understand um, what that literature is so we try and keep it down the middle Mm, our guiding hands Uh, right I'd like to actually start with reading how it works from chapter 5 from the big book our our, uh, guidance of everything so please listen to this rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. 
There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these we balked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power, and that one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which is suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, What an order! I can't go through with it! Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A. That we were alcoholic and we could not manage our own lives. B. That probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C. That God would and could if he were sought. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks, Jen. Now, Tony. Yeah. Could you please, um, 
I think it's time for you to give us a bit of a reading, if you don't mind. <laughs> well, actually, I've got one here, Jan. Just, um, you know, I've just prepared one earlier and I've just Have pulled you? it out of the oven. Um, <laughs> you know, and this comes from our many pamphlets um, explaining to the newcomer what our, what our society is about. Um, and so this comes out from a, from a pamphlet. This is AA, an introduction to AA recovery program. And it's titled um, on page five, Only You Can Decide. If you seem to be having trouble with your drinking, or if your drinking has reached the point where it worries you a bit, you may be interested in knowing something about Alcoholics Anonymous and the AA program of recovery from alcoholism. After reading this brief outline, you may decide that AA has nothing to offer you. Should this be the case, we suggest that you keep an open mind on the subject. Consider that your consider your drinking carefully, and in the light of what you may learn in these pages, determine for yourself whether or not alcohol has truly become a problem for you. And remember that you will always be most welcome to join the thousands of men and women in AA who have put their drinking problems behind them and now lead normal lives of constructive day by day sobriety. And I guess I wrote that, I read that out because, um, you know, only you can decide. It is mm. something that only you can ha- actually has the power to say, hey, you know what, this has got to a point where I need to do something about it. And, um, you know, I, I today's show, I guess, if there's a topic, we're, we're going to be talking about our first AA meeting and about our th- thoughts and feelings around that. Um, and w- what got us to leave and what got us to come back, perhaps. Um, you know, so, yeah, so that's why I, I was interested in just reading that out, one of our pamphlets. Yeah. Oh, I think that the part that stands out to me too is the fact that alcohol was so cunning, baffling and powerful that I remember doing that sort of list of my own but thinking, no, it's not that bad, it's all right, I can go a bit longer. Mm. And I think... Now I realise if only I hadn't listened to that little cunning voice in the back of my head, it wouldn't have got to the point where it did. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, in the back of our heads we always think, no, it's not as bad as I think. But actually, if you really do sit down and are honest with yourself, you may find. Yes, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, uh, it is very hard to discern for the victim mm. um, that they may indeed have a problem with drinking uh, and there's probably a number of factors for that. There's a society factor uh, and in New Zealand, I'm sorry to say, we are heavy drinkers so um, you know, and not always responsible but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're an alcoholic. Um, you know, uh, you also, you know, um, you know, it might be um, age. You know, when we're younger, we tend to be more bulletproof, and you know, we seem to feel that we can um, negotiate things better um, with strength. Uh, but this 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 disease is no respecter of strength, as as a lot of us have found out. So, yes. there are. It's a disease that hides and says it's everything else but. And I mean, I've heard this time and time again from from people in the fellowship that they thought it was a mental health issue, or they thought it was. Uh, because they didn't have enough money, they you know they were in a, a, a sense of poverty, so to speak, uh, and and the drinking continued almost hiding in plain sight, you know, and it wasn't until they t- actually tackled 
it wasn't and, and I've heard people describe it, it was a small thought maybe it's alcohol <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no that's it's and, well yeah. we consider it our friend don't we so we don't want to lose that friend absolutely. Uh, and so it's the last thing that we point at oh absolutely I mean mm. it's not just um, I'm having a great time <laughs> the the you know the standard illusion or you know I need to have a drink at a party to to be social um, you know alcohol uh, it is a um, I guess it is a solvent. It washes, it clean, it cleanses and washes away things. It certainly does do that. So it does have, uh, it does actually do something. But the problem is, uh, it can it can wash away too much, um, or it can, you know what I mean? It, 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 well, and it washes it away for that period of time, and then it comes back. Well, like that's a right. It does tsunami. It, yeah, that's right. That's the great <laughs> the, illusion. The issues know. come um, back bigger, and and of course more problems have, have been heaped on top. So. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's right. It's it's um, it really only you can decide, um, mm. and and you know, um, and hopefully this um, show and others like it provide inspiration for those sitting out there wondering pondering that question. Absolutely. Inspiration. That's what we're out about. Okay, and on that note, I'm actually going to put some music on. So uh, we are going to have some Boney M, folks, some Night Flight to Venus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Starship Boney M for our first passenger flight to Venus. Ready for countdown. Ten,
Thank you, Boney M. You are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Wonderful. I love the drumming in that. It's such an awesome song. I know people go, oh, Boney M, but no, that's a goodie, that one. <laughs> so what I thought I might do is just read a bit more from this pamphlet um, and uh, hopefully we can build a theme um, from that. So it goes on to discuss on page seven, who are we, is the question. Uh, we in AA are men and women who have discovered and admitted that we cannot control alcohol. We have learnt that we must live without it if we are to avoid disaster for ourselves and those close to us. With local groups and thousands of communities, we are part of an informal international fellowship which now has members in more than 180 countries. We have but one primary purpose and that is to stay sober ourselves and to help others who may turn to us for help in achieving sobriety. We are not reformers, we are not allied with any group, cause or religious denomination. We have no wish to dry up the world, we do not recruit new members, but we do welcome them. We do not impose our experience with the problem of drinking on others, but we do share it when we are asked to do so. Within our membership may be found men and women of all ages and of many different social, economic and cultural backgrounds. Some of us drank for many years before coming to the realisation that we could not handle alcohol. Others were fortunate enough to appreciate early in life or in their drinking careers that alcohol had become unmanageable. The consequences of our alcoholic drinking have also varied. A few of us have tried to be... have had to become derelicts before turning to AA for help. Some have lost family, possession, self-respect. We have been on skid row in many cities. Some of us had been hospitalised in jail times without number. We had been com- we had committed grave offences against society, our families, our employers and ourselves. Others among us have never been jailed or hospitalised, nor have we lost jobs or families through drinking. But we finally came to a point where we realised that alcohol was interfering with normal living. When we discovered that we could not live without alcohol, we too sought help through AA. All the great faiths are respected in our fellowship, and many religious leaders have encouraged our growth. There are also atheists and agnostics among us. Belief in or adherence to a formal creed is not a condition for membership. We are united by a common problem, alcohol. Meeting and talking and helping other alcoholics together, we are somehow able to stay sober and to lose the compulsion to drink once the dominant forces, once the dominant force in our lives. We do not think we are the only people who have the answer to the problem of drinking. We know that the AA program works for us and we have seen it work for every newcomer, almost without exception, who honestly and sincerely wanted to quit drinking. Through AA we have learned that a number of we have learned a number of things about alcoholism and ourselves. We try to keep these facts fresh in our thinking at all times because they seem to be the key to our sobriety. And for us sobriety must come first. 
That's great. Thank you, Tony. That definitely brings us into our uh, discussion today. And that, that is about how we came into our first meetings. Mm. Meeting, it depends on which one. Some of us have done it several times. So, uh, yeah, I think, Tony, could you just give us an idea about, you know, what the first meeting was like for you? When you walked in, what sort of happened? What age were you? What what brought you into that meeting? Well, uh, yeah, I, I my first uh, encounter with an AA meeting would have been around the age of, of uh, 17, which would have been 1987. I, I was particularly young and you have to realise, um, and I've told some of my story on the radio show before and some of them, some listeners may well remember that, but Drinking was a problem almost straight away for me. Um, right. I would have blackouts. I would not know what had happened. Um, and so in this particular instance, uh, there was property, uh, property damage uh, at a party that I'd attended. Right. And uh, things had got well out of hand. So uh, the next day when I woke up at 17, the police and a friend were uh, waking me up. <laughs> <laughs> to face the music of the night before. Um, Can I ask you this? Did you think at that time that alcohol was the reason these things had happened or did you just sort of think about yourself going, oh, well, I had a great night that night? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, you wake up a little bit bemused wondering what's happened. Why mm. Why are you here? Because mm. I, I had blacked out. Um, and I couldn't remember. The, I remember going to the party. I remember the initial stages, but towards the end, it uh, was a blackout. Yes. Um, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I didn't do it or I wasn't a part of it. I did, and mm. um, and so that's why I was in trouble. Um, but you know, I actually thought blackouts were normal. I thought everybody experienced them. You know what I mean? And mm. you know, being young at 17, I was in a group of. Friends who I, you know, like I said, we all drank heavily. We all drank the same, but but there was always an edge, almost from the beginning of my drinking, you know. And one of those things was it was never enough. I never had enough booze, you know. Um, I would always run out, and I'd always, you know, when I was acquiring alcohol at seventeen, would try and make sure that I wouldn't run out, you know. Yes. Um, so there were there were it was problematic, and and so anyway, in this particular instance, I was in trouble. And a friend of mine who, you know, was an older person who, you know, um, knew that I possibly was an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, it's always somebody that's looking but doesn't necessarily say anything to Bro- Brokered a deal <laughs> with the property owner. Uh, it was a flat and the property owner um, and the police and myself. And that was to pay... You know, it wasn't I wasn't the, the only instigator. I was part of a group of young guys that had got into trouble. And so... Living your rock band lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, and you know, um, so I had you know to pay off uh, uh, um, the damages, you know, um, and so that was worked out alongside with the police. The police were wondering whether you know charges were going to be pressed, or yes. if, you know, and if they weren't, were they going to do it? So it was discussed, and my friend negotiated that I would attend an AA meeting, and and the police were satisfied. That, that was the way to go, um, probably thinking that's what the courts would have ordered anyway, you know, so we've just... Was so that just one meeting that you had to no, attend no, I had, or they I, encouraged I, I, to, to, to attend? It. Yes, right. And um, and so I, rem- I remember having to go uh, along um, uh, uh, to this my first AA meeting in fear and trepidation. I didn't really know 
what to expect. And I remember, you know, um, I remember going into this I, this kind of room in a hall and uh, here are all these men and women sort of sitting in this big kind of circle. Um, you know, and people said, hi, how are you? And I was like... And oh. they would have been smoking then too, I yeah, yeah, so that we, was still okay to smoke yeah, in that's public right. so places. Were, yeah, so that's right. So we were smoking. Most of us have been smokers. That's right, yes. <laughs> and I, I certainly was a smoker. You mm-hmm. know, I, think a few, I got a few smokes and, you know, and nervousness to, to get past that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and so they started their meeting. So, I mean, I looked at banners on the wall that were a little yellow from nicotine. Yes. <laughs> Maybe a lot. You know, and I'm looking at people, and I think the thing that I'm looking at is I'm the youngest person in the room. You know, I'm 17 years old, and mm. and I'm watching people, and they're telling stories and stuff. And I don't know if I particularly identified with the people in the room uh, at that stage. I, I, um, I sort of remember looking around going, well, you might be an alcoholic, but I'm not. I was still very resistant. It seemed to be the way to get out of trouble, you know. Um, well, and at 17, somebody who's 30 is old. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, that's I, I right. Remember, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. So at a very young age, that was my first uh, experience of AA, you know. Mm. Uh, I'm here to tell you folks that this disease gets much, much worse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now I look back at that experience and I see that that was the seeds planted for another time. You know, um, I I am not the person who one day came along day A and got it. I I fought and resisted and desperately wanted another way to, to, to do things. Yes. Um, you know, um, um, but I do, yeah, I do remember um, people, you know, and being sincere too, talking about their issues with alcohol, um, you know, but I just didn't feel at 17 that I identified with it. And, um, and I you know, imagine you would have heard such honesty in the rooms, which would have been something really odd. Well, yeah, I grew up in an alcoholic home. I mm. mean, where it was all drinking and lies in my family, you know, um, you know, or we just didn't speak about you know, yes. we swept it all under the carpet. And so, you know, it was. It, it, I, I was afraid of it. There was a fear in me. I felt uncomfortable. I didn't want to be there, um, you know. Um, and and years did you later, feel forced to be there as well, I assume? Well, the, I knew the, I'd done wrong. I knew yes. when I – because I took me around to see the damage and I went, you know, that's just not good. And, you know, um, I felt bad. You know, my conscience was still there. And you know, um, the, you know, I realised that I had been part of a group that had damaged this property. You know, in, in the course of a party, um, you know, windows were smashed. And, <gasps> yes. You know, it was all on, and furniture was destroyed. And um, and so, you know, it was time to own up to the crime, so to speak. Um, you know, and so it was difficult looking at all the damage. Yes. You know, and you know, I couldn't deny it, but I had that horrible feeling. I couldn't quite remember it either. You know. Um, yes that it was, uh, you know, I'd blacked out um, as well. Um, but there were others that were there that confirmed this and that and said that. So, you know, it was a difficult position to be in anyway. And so I did accept that I'd done wrong and I did pay that monetary, um, that paid that monetary stuff off. Um, I, I think, you know, to deep inside me, I didn't want to be an alcoholic. I, I, I mean, the simple answer is that I loved drinking. I loved 
the excitement, the camaraderie. I loved, you know, that's what I was trying to say. Alcohol does things. And yes, so, and at that point so in your life, in your drinking life, it is still fun. It yeah, is still yeah, yeah, exactly. something a, you want to do. You know, and, and being 17, I mean, back in the day, it was 20 to be able to legally drink. So the chase, even the thrill of the chase. And Absolutely. The, and the deception of, of obtaining alcohol um, underage, you know, there were a whole lot of hooks in that scenario. Um, you know, and it wasn't until years later that when I actually started to do the steps when I was finally a spent vessel that I all this stuff began to make sense, you know. And I came from an alcoholic home where love was a scarce commodity and unfortunately that's what it's like in alcoholic homes. The the love, the piss, uh, the spirit of alcohol just sucks the love out of the room. And, well, um, it rules the room, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It, it's mm. the master over things. Everything is done and not done because of it. And so, you know... Um, I had latched on to a group of friends, and they were my family, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and, you know, I subsequently joined the armed forces and, and had a similar experience in that, you know. Um, so uh, in that regard to that first meeting that you went into, when you left that meeting, how many more times did you go? Did you decide? I went for about, I did, I did about five meetings, and I think what had happened was, I'd signed up to the armed forces and my papers had come through to join. And right. um, so I jumped on a plane and escaped. So not only did I not deal with it, I did a geographical, you know, I'd been working on this. Folks, those uh, that aren't it, sure what a geographical is, it uh, means you basically pack up and leave Yeah, I go, oh, it's hard. a bit of a mess here. I yeah. think I'll try somewhere else, you know what I mean? Not realising <laughs> that all the crap is in my head and heart. Mm. And, and all I'm going to do with is going to recreate it in another town. It can be 10,000. It could be the other side of the world. But Sure as eggs, I will recreate, recreate the same people, the same scenarios in, uh, um, somewhere else. So, so in a way, you know, it wasn't always haphazard as it looked looking back. But I'd got my papers and I wanted out of the city I was living in. And, you know, it was getting a bit close to the bone trying to deal with this thing. Um, you know, so I saw it as a way out, you know, because I was on the run emotionally. And, Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, I wasn't being sincere at the core of my being, you know. Um, I still wanted to wrestle with this thing and think I could find a way out. All I wanted to do was to drink but not get into trouble, you know. It seemed really simple. It just seemed a simple idea. I had no idea what was to come, you know, in the later years. But, but um, you know, um, yeah, so I, I, I moved to a big city from a small city and I thought I could just uh, get on with things and it was such a different lifestyle uh, being in the armed forces that you know for a time I did basic training and I didn't drink because I couldn't I was effectively locked up in a, in, in a, in a base army base um, a military base and um, so I I thought you know it's not um, yeah see I can do this you know what I mean um, it's not Absolutely. a big Absolutely freedom a big deal. to recreate yourself you know, but I remember being in barracks and waking up from a drinking dream you know what I mean <laughs> going I, and um, I had, you know, um, I had NCOs yelling and screaming at me, you know, so I'd gone from this uh, this sunny day drinking beer with my mates uh, in my dream to yelling and screaming and we're on the program. So, you know, I'll never forget that day. But, you know what I mean, the mm. the, the effects were, were still there of the of the alcoholism was still running well. And all it took was me to get some leave in there and I was off again. And, and uh, how yeah. long did it take? You said you had several of uh, first meetings. How long <laughs> did it take for you to get to the next 
the next first meeting? Can I start oh, look, again? Was it was it a couple of years? Was it oh, many ten years? years? Yeah. Was it yes? Okay. So so what would happen is is I I'm a very slow learner. Um, so what would happen would oh, be... Oh, Tony, you can't say that. Now, come on, we're all very good <laughs> at learning how to lift the right arm very I, fast. Yeah, I, I <laughs> look, I, I I remember getting out of the armed forces and I wanted to get married and settle down. You know, live this life that was overseas and, and I thought, you know, it's time to get settled down. You know, something in me just wanted to do that. And so, um, but I, I had a look at... Um, not drinking, and I think I'd I'd done it for a couple of years, just on my own, and I'd settled down. Um, but it was when I got married, I picked up again. You see, and right, and so what happens with those that are of the alcoholic type like me is, as soon as I pick up, as soon as I have that first drink, it's all on, all bets are off, and so I drank my way through my first marriage, which was about eleven years. Um, which right. which you know that's how long it takes for me to come to my senses decades will pass you know yes i have to agree um, with you there you know um and so at the loss of my marriage you know that was another life event i thought something's really wrong i've got to sort this out you know i i feel really um you know you know it was a time of life that I, it was a rather low point in life so i went long day again and uh, managed to stay um uh i would call it more dry than sober um for another and so when you were walked into that for that second time you were 10 years older a little bit older than yeah. 10 years older you were you know a touch wiser yeah so that would have been did in you my look at it differently 30s, yeah mm. so you know this is going through the through the generational spans too look i remember being this time i remember feeling like such a failure why, why can't i get this this mm. is you know and i've lost my marriage and i've lost my children you know there are great losses happening um now to do with this disease um, you know, I'm losing my home. Everything's starting to go. So, I remember standing outside. This particular uh, meeting was in another city, um, and I remember in, in a church, or in a, you know, in an organised religious church, right. in a hall in, in this particular church. And I remember, I remember standing outside, looking up and down the street, going, "I hope nobody sees me." I was just absolutely terrified of going into this AA meeting. Mm-hmm. And when I look now, you know, these people didn't know me from a bar of soap. And to be honest with you, society didn't really care whether I drank or probably did care if I drank, but but didn't really care. Probably would have applauded me for going to an AA meeting. I think what what it was was I was I was fearful of actually meeting myself for the first time in life. You know what I mean? Right. It was it was uh, a time to address things again. So I sat down and I looked around and here are you know not the same people obviously, but the same stories are coming out about people that just couldn't you know drink and this is what happened to them um, and this is what they did. Um, and for a time I didn't drink again, but again I still. Um, I didn't feel comfortable. I could not see a life deep in my core without drinking alcohol. Mm. Didn't know how to. It was almost like the answer was right in front of my face, but I couldn't see it. You mm. know what I mean? And and like people were speaking the answer to me in those rooms, but I couldn't hear it. You know? Um, yeah, I think um, it's a very. Uh, there's a definite there. You have to find yourself walking into these rooms, and. Making sure that your ears are listening. 
It's, yeah, uh, you yeah. need them it's to be a, open. You've got to try and uh, have an open got mind. To. Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. 25 when I was first um, went to, uh, it wasn't an AA meeting, but it was a, a drug and alcohol counsellor. And uh, oh, I didn't need this. I can do this. I can do this all myself. So mm. look, it took me till 49 to walk into the room. Yes. At 49, I felt like a complete failure at that time. Uh but it was, uh, it, you know, apart from having the sweaty palms, oh, I was so nervous, so nervous. I stupidly wore a, a warm jersey, so I was flush and sweating mm. under the armpits and thinking, what am I walking into, the great unknown? Mm. Uh, it was terrifying. But I walked in and people were chatting. The chairs were all in the circle. They were chatting, friendly. People were laughing. Yes. Uh, I was welcomed. People, you know, hi, I'm blah, blah, and, you know, nice to meet you and so forth. It was really quite welcoming. Mm. It was really um, unusual. For my expectation was, oh, there'd be a whole lot of people like me sitting nervously, yeah. you know, who was sort of sweaty palms and all those sorts of things. But it was really uh, enlightening. It really was. And there were pamphlets everywhere. There was books. I... I was lucky enough to have a very kind person uh, gift me my first big book, and it was at that meeting. And I know now that that person saw something within me that, you know, I obviously looked like I was ready for it. Mm. I was ready for this journey. And I was, because... But the nice part about the meeting, when I look back now and I realise it, didn't have to be scary. It's normal to be nervous and scared and all that side of things. But it was actually sitting there and listening to people and realising I wasn't the only one that thought like that. Mm. I wasn't the only one that was having these experiences where my whole day was consumed thinking about alcohol, where I was going to get it. And I was putting myself into debt. I was putting people in danger. I was, yeah, it was... um, and at the end, we all sat, you know, we s- welcomed to a cup of tea. I had a couple of lovely ladies come up and give me phone numbers. And, of course, all I could think was, well, there's no way I'm going down that line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm, and, I, and I was very cautious. Uh, but it didn't stop me coming again. In fact, the only thing that was going to stop me going again was myself mm. and finding barriers of, oh, well, who's going to look after my children and who's going to do this for me while I go to a meeting and how can I possibly come out at that time and do a meeting? Yeah. But I, I did my first meeting in a town that has a meeting every day, sometimes two, and it yes. is such a blessing. I didn't realise how much because once, um, once I got into it, I needed it, mm. almost like I needed a drink. But I didn't need a drink anymore. It's quite a bizarre thing. It's, yeah. uh, but uh, that guidance and that support—it's—it was actually a really welcoming thing. But that's only because I was open for it too. I think. It's, yeah. You've got to be ready. 
I look. I I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think, you know, um, you know. I guess I'm coming from the perspective. I'm walking in with my baggages. Yes. With what we do, and this is what we see around us. Mm. Um, and some comment on oh, there's God on the wall. Oh, yes. No. You know, and and you know, you have every right to be nervous. You know. Yes. But what I too found was that I I looked and I saw happy people. Yes. And I saw people becoming happier. And all I could realise was I was absolutely miserable with the life that I was living. And I couldn't understand why these people were so sort of like, you know, I know that they're just ordinary people who have, you know, I've still got to pay the rent and the bills and the power bill, but they they seemed to have a peace about them that I just didn't have. You know, I was always on edge, I was fearful, I was, you know what I mean? And I wondered, how, how can you get to that? Mm. Because I certainly don't believe that that could, I can do that myself. And it's funny, you know, when I finally got sober, because I, and I don't look at those attempts as being failures, they were all part of my journey in getting sober. But when I finally understood the 12-step program and so I finally shut up and started to listen and started to do something about it, I went back to the meeting that I told you about in my 30s. Right. And it would have been 10 years Oh, no longer that, 15 years since people had seen me. And you know what the lovely thing about it was? I was welcomed in. Nice to see you. Gee, it's good to see you. Um, yeah, they remembered you. They remembered you. Mm. Some, some there remembered me. And, mm. and the, the beautiful thing about that was, you know, while I had been out there, you know, um, drinking and my life getting harder and harder, you know, people had stuck it out there. And I, I saw them when I went in many years later. You know, um, and, and you saw the result of and, their lives. And yes, mm. and and you know, and they they welcomed me in. So it's not like, you know, and it was lovely. It's a lovely experience to to know that you belong. You know, yes, to know that you didn't do everything right, but you're still wanted. You know, absolutely. Um, and actually, everybody you know, is welcomed like that. That's it's, right. It's yeah. the and, way it is. It's and I, I have not seen that in see any, any other place. I yes. honestly. I in in the share you know the honesty too. I think in a meeting where people share sincerely, um, I, I in any other arena, I'm I'm sorry, but I have not seen that in the workplace. Yes, even in people's homes, um, you know there is a level of honesty which I think is just amazing, um, and I can see why it gets people well. You know, um, I, I remember talking to somebody. You know, pretty well, actually it was yesterday, and um, I said it's a little bit like this. And this is something that I couldn't really understand, you know, for many, many years. When I put down the, the alcohol, when I put it down and said, right, I'm going to sort it out, what I automatically did is I lifted the lid on all the stuff, you know what I mean, that the alcohol was suppressing. So by that act of not using anymore, I, I essentially pulled the lid off, but I had no way of sorting it out, no way of... of um, no way of, of 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 working through everything that I'd collected, and um, and it wasn't until those twelve realizing that you've got to put down the alcohol to be able to see what lies beneath, but you can't just leave it there. You've got to work a program that actually gets you sober mentally and emotionally as well. And, well, there's uh, twelve steps are simply written there for you to be able to do that's that. That's right, and mm. that was the other half of the component. Like I'd always tried to think, oh, I can just do it myself. Um, without that other side, that other um, 12 steps. When I combine both, that's when, wow, that's when my eyes really opened. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. That, that that fear and that, that um, I guess, that 
uh, that idea that, you know, I'm okay and I don't need alcohol to live, you know, mm. I, I have enough and it will be okay, you know, um, and it has been like that. It, it's, it's, it's like a, uh, yeah, yeah, the best thing I, I did, um, I went to rehab as well, so it's been quite a long journey for me, but I, you know, I was in hospital, went to rehab, did all these things. But I have to say, it's coming along to the AA meetings that has actually maintained me getting sober. You know what I mean? I do. I have to agree with you there. It's the one consistency and seeing other alcoholics in recovery and that support, the support and honesty that we get with each other is absolutely paramount. Paramount. Look, I'm going to put a piece of music on. Yes. We'll get you sorted to do a reading, I think, actually. So let's get this going first, and uh, we'll be back with you shortly. Just a dream that 
got is a daily reflection uh, and uh, it's titled No More Reservations. We have seen the truth again and again, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservations of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantity some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. And that comes from our big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and you can find that on page 33. These words are underlined in my book. They are true for men and women alcoholics. On many occasions I have turned to this page and reflected on this passage. I need never fool myself by recalling my sometimes differing drinking patterns or by believing that I am cured. I like to think that if sobriety is God's gift to me, then my sober life is my gift to God. I hope God is happy with his gift as I am with mine. Lovely. Thanks, Tony. I just wanted to mention too, that was REM, Losing My Religion, that we were having a little bop down to in the rooms here (laughs) earlier. Thank you. Uh, Look, Thanks so much for coming in and sharing those experiences with us today, Tony, about your, your meetings. And, and yeah, I think the idea is to, to help people realise that it isn't, it, it is a blessing to come in. It's a great thing. Things, brilliant things can happen after coming into your first AA meeting. Oh, absolutely. It may take years. Whether, yes. It may, it may be, you may strike it on the first time. Exactly. But it, it's worth persevering, you know, if yeah. you feel utterly lost. Yeah. I would recommend starting with an AA meeting. Yeah, it did. like you said, it's like the, the seed, Jack and the yeah. Beanstalk, here it goes, and it just keeps growing. Yes. So eventually you may you may need it. So I'd just like to say yes, thank you. Thanks to all our listeners um, out there tonight for uh, sharing this evening with us as well. That's been wonderful. Reminding our listeners that if you want to drink, that's your business. If you want to stop, we can help. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got a, uh, just some useful um, addresses and numbers here. So if you want to reach out uh, to somebody and talk to a real person in the AA Fellowship and just discuss perhaps what you've heard tonight, 
um, or or discuss with that person to make a change and come to your first meeting, then it, uh, you can ring 0800 AA Works, which is 0800 2296 757. So that's 0800 2296 757. And also, we have a, um, a, a business group which is called Otago a, a Intergroup, and you can find that on the website. Uh, and the address is aaotago.org.nz. Um, you can also post a letter the old fashioned way. I don't know, we don't do too many of those anymore, but if you'd like to uh, post us anything, you can do that at PO Box 6115 Dunedin North, and that's Dunedin. No- 9059. Um, we also, AA has a New Zealand website. This is the national website, so you can get a hold of us in a variety of ways. Um, and you, they have useful information and stuff on that particular website as well. And um, you can also find meetings in your particular area um, uh, from that site. And that is aa.org.nz, a very simple one. That's wonderful. Yeah, I hope that helps. Thank you, Tony. That's great. And thank you very much, folks, for being here with my first little nerve-wracking show. Oh, you've done great. Absolutely (laughs) great, Jen. It's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, I'd like to close with this next song, which is uh, Janis Joplin, uh, Mercedes Benz. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Dialing for dollars is trying to find me. I wait for delivery each day until three so oh lord won't you buy me a color tv oh lord won't you buy me a night on the town i'm counting on you lord please don't let me down prove that you love me and buy the next round oh lord won't you buy me a night on the town. Everybody, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? That's it. <laughs> This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.